the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp. Available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast. Also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers. It's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast. I uh, really appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, and don't forget to listen, as we mentioned earlier, to listen on the different networks, Pandora, Apple, Spotify, etc. Today, I want to talk about unmeasurable goals. And um, some of you are probably rolling your me. Uh, what is an unmeasurable goal? Is that really a goal? Uh, of course, the crowd that wants to measure everything, um, that's not acceptable. But things are unmeasurable from time to time. Uh, I mean, just think about fitness, right? I mean, I can lose weight, I can gain weight. And depending on what's happening in my life or how healthy I am, I might feel better when I gain a couple pounds, for example. It's all muscle, not fat. Mm. Um, and the other thing is people are actually searching for unmeasurable goals on the web. So somebody is looking for answers. We're here to give them to you. Uh, I'm joined today by Marnie Glore. She's a product manager and digital marketing leader um, based in Colorado. We first ran across each other a few years ago at SCL Health in Denver. She was a, pro a program manager there of digital services. And um, currently, you know, she's she's looking for her next marketing adventure, or she can talk about that more later. But um, unmeasurable goals. What do you think, Marnie? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is a real treat to join everybody in podcast land. So um, to your point, you know, kind of diving right in. Um, over the last six weeks, I've sort of re-entered this job market and with a background in uh, communications and digital marketing, it's been an eye-opening experience to see sort of what has become of the digital marketing world and how very performance marketing driven it has become almost to the exclusion of some of those other softer marketing skills that I think um, really bring value to companies. So it's, it's definitely a topic I was interested in, and I was excited that you wanted to talk about it too. <laughs> so soft, so absolutely uh, <laughs> glad, to, glad to have you on the show. And uh, I mean, people, everybody wants performance. Now, what are some of those softer skills that, that you are referring to? What are some of the things that we still need, even though everybody wants the numbers to, mm. to move? Absolutely. Well, I sort of bucket in into two separate um, two separate areas. And actually, I'm going to steal from Rand Fishkin because I think the man is a genius. And years and years ago, he sort of put forward this idea of what he labeled serendipitous marketing. And his conversation around that was just really fascinating because they are non attributable right? These are, these are instances, happenstances that occur that drive revenue, they drive bottom line, bottom line growth, but they aren't necessarily something you can track through the funnel. Um, the example he gives in this, I think it was a Whiteboard Monday, was a conference somebody attends, conversations are had, 
couple of months later, there's a conversion because of the conversations you had at a conference, but there's absolutely no way for you to measure, hey, I went to X conference and happened to be eating lunch and mentioned this product that I loved and they converted down, down the line. This clearly has, you know, talking digital marketing lingo, you know, CAC implications, lifetime value implications, but it isn't something that you can necessarily raise your hand to your boss and go, I drove six figures of growth with these conversions because I went to this conference that only cost you $2,000. Think about the ROI on that, right? Um, you mentioned SCL Health, that anybody who is looking for a healthcare facility and happens to be in an area where maybe the organization exists as a hospital or a clinic, recognize the name, decide that maybe that's where they want to go for their primary care visit. That is serendipity. There's no way to really go through your Google Analytics and go, here's that person and here's how they track through the funnel and here's the conversion and this is the number I can take to my boss and say, give me a raise. Right. So that's sort of that first bucket. The second bucket is one I'm particularly passionate about, and it's what I call the experience marketing. And it truly is the sort of how people experience your brand or how people experience your product, your service, etc. And it has to do with making investments in areas that you're not going to see direct revenue from, but again, they directly impact revenue. Um, responding quickly to customers online and having shored up customer service so that people feel heard. They have a place to go when they have a problem. Um, focusing on content, whether that is blog or social with the help first mentality. Um, having a really sophisticated CRM so you don't have the same introductory conversations over and over and over every time I call in to ask for help on something or there's a problem with my software. Showing up in public doing good, right? Um, kind of that extension of your brand as, as the public experiences it through um, some of those touch points that you wouldn't necessarily think. Uh, I think personally of those signs on the side of the road that's like clean up or this particular stretch of road was adopted by in the name of the company or donating. Um, a lot of companies have decided to kind of give their employees a day off to volunteer in the community. That kind of public good or showing up in public uh, Sometimes that costs you money. It doesn't make you money, but it still is an incredibly important avenue for that marketing. Yeah, it's it's an interesting topic. It kind of reminds me of when somebody asked me, Christoph, does spelling matter? And, <laughs> you know, then that reminds me of two stories. One is when a digital strategist came to me and says, crap, I, I misspelled something in the subject line. And everybody just said, well, how did it perform? She says, above average. So <laughs> does that mean we should always now, you know, have typos in the subject line? Absolutely not, right? Absolutely not. But when a typo happens, you just kind of move forward. The example I gave is when Cathay Pacific misspelled their own name on, on a plane, and they literally just tweeted a picture and said, whoops, this one has to go back to the shop. <laughs> Um, you know, but so when uh, some of the things when I when I hear you talk about the, the some of these items is so when in a model where everything is performance driven, right? People are mm -hmm. incentivized a, a lot of times on performance. 
And to an extent, that's fine. We've covered that, that topic to death and happy to hear your, your thoughts on it. But, but at the end of the day, there are certain things you have to do right? You don't just mm-hmm. play, you don't just pay football players for performance. I mean, you, you do and you don't, but, but you also pay them for just showing up and just actually practicing. Uh, and certainly you still need that for marketing as well. But when you have all these, you only focus on performance. Do you, I mean, there is a real danger, right? If that person doesn't get the credit for that conference conversion, because nobody knows, what's the incentive to even talk to people if you don't get the credit. I mean, how do we get a, across that barrier? Do you, do you see what I mean? Yep. So I think that that you touch on a really interesting point. And I think ultimately um, this has to do with companies' health is probably the easiest way to put this. Um, employee engagement and having um, a healthy, I, I'm a firm believer in roles and responsibilities. I, I think when there's no clear, this is my job, this is your job. Things get messy, people don't get along, things get hurt, let's avoid that. Girls, girls, you're both pretty, right? So mm-hmm. let's like have, have that, just acknowledge that on the table. But I also think when you have these silos organizationally, you don't end up actually all strive towards the same goal these have to be the underpinnings of the health of the company. What is your vision? What is your mission? What is the values? How do you build that into every single touch point, not just externally with your touch points, with your audiences, but also internally. And the example I use is one I go back to, I have this, a a great colleague. uh, She was just phenomenal in digital marketing and her big thing was I'm sending all of these marketing qualified leads, all of these leads over to this, sales team person um, and they're not converting them and it's not my problem I did my job they didn't do theirs they're supposed to convert and I thought well this is a single person how many leads are you sending them every month are they sales qualified versus just marketing qualified what is the difference why are they marketing qualified and not sales qualified right Mm -hmm. what is the actual goal here because in my mind Neither one of you are winning if we don't get a conversion here and the health of the organization isn't bettered. Why are we on two separate teams? We have to be aligned around this single goal. And there wasn't really a good answer, except I can't do their job. They aren't going to do mine. And I, I'm, I have to be able to go in with these measurements and say to my boss, this is why I deserve a raise. So it, it's almost this mentality of these siloed um, job functions. And I think that there are a number of different areas where that's sort of highlighted in the organization. Marketing is one of them. Um, you know, looking at, at how marketing and sales need to partner in order to ensure that that full um, experience for the consumer is seamless and, and frictionless and positive, delightful, so to speak. Um, the, the product, right. Uh, whether that's a service or an actual physical direct to consumer, uh, e-commerce, et cetera, there needs to be a close alignment there. And again, that's about the health of the organization, not necessarily about just making sure you stay in your swim lane, so to speak. Yeah. It, it kind of raises the interesting point in my opinion on, on it's a new level of collaboration, right. Mm-hmm. 
so if, if you can't collaborate and you're not talking to each other because who knows, maybe somebody is a jerk or, uh, or, you know, there's competing goals. I mean, we've seen that before, right? If the mm -hmm. salesperson reports to the VP of sales and the, the marketing person reports to the VP of marketing and the VPs don't get along, well, how can the teams get along? <laughs> yeah, that's a hot mess. <laughs> that's what we call that. <laughs> that's a hot mess goal and you have exceeded all expectations around that goal. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And it reminds me of a story I had. My husband came home from one day and said, you know, we have this new VP of sales who came in and what he bragged about was that he usually gets the marketing people fired <laughs> like on his first day. Like, did he have any friends before? But that's exactly the point. Like he really wanted to kind of do this territory war or this territorial war. And he really wanted to put people on notice that he didn't want to partner and I thought, well, right there, you have a dysfunction at the at a level way above where we are. Right? That's a CEO C-suite problem, because if you aren't collaborating, if you guys aren't in it together, if you are not all in the same rowboat, rowing the same direction, there's very little hope that the people below you are going to be able to close that gap. It's just too big. Um, collaboration is key, and then you know, right the the term today is cross functional. Um, Basically, it's just really being nice to one another and, and you know, valuing what all of these people bring to the table and knowing that you don't have the only answer, but you're part of the solution. Um, it's, it's been interesting because one of the areas I've seen the biggest gap is actually in HR recruiting. And I think it's fascinating um, that so often um, Right. If the website is your digital front door, very often your HR person uh, in terms of recruiting is sort of the greeter at that door and that people, uh, companies aren't viewing these potential candidates as uh, potential customers and ensuring that, that that treatment or that experience or that interaction is positive because that, that is very much a part of your brand. You know, it's not any different than your sales team. It it is, and any HR person, feel free to reach out to us, <laughs> uh, Marnie. You can share your contact info. I don't know if you know, take projects or not, but but HR people can work on their marketing and also their user experience. Not all of them; some of them are just fine. But I'll give you an example. I was actively talking to a company, uh, you know, a while back about a role. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was going well or not. It doesn't make any difference. I was just talking to him. And while I was talking to him, I got the email from HR. How important, <laughs> how, how important the, uh, the, the candidate experience is. And they wanted to let me know they got plenty of um, uh, applicants and they're not going to move forward with my application. And I'm like, I'm literally talking to you like right now. <laughs> 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 so I, I I know that I actually accepted the job was signing on the dotted line when I got the canned response that said we've moved forward with other candidates and I went so do I have the job or not I'm so confused <laughs> yeah I actually had that too before but yeah. it's, it's just it's interesting um, user experience for sure um, yeah. so you know, the, the one thing when you talk about the volume of MQLs coming in, I mean, it also depends. I think you tried to hint at it. You didn't give a number. But if if, if they get a thousand MQLs and they're just one person, they're not going to be able to follow up on a thousand, right? Exactly. Um, 
So you have to talk to each other. Um, what are some unmeasurable goals that you see out there in marketing? What are some things that matter, but we really, it's really hard to measure it other than the, the conference example we shared already? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that again, kind of going back to that user experience and the siloed, that strong CRM. So, you know, the, I think, I can't remember if it's Gartner or if it's Forrester, but one of them called it like kind of the rule of eight is a brand is going to interact with you eight or excuse me, an individual reacts with a brand eight different times before they actively reach out and want to fill out a form or talk to somebody, make it, you know, do something quote unquote conversion oriented which means there is so much branding that you need to do out there. Well, and I guess I say branding, um, but, and I do mean that, but it's those brand impression uh, touch points. So doing, you know, digital marketing, which is, you know, a brand impression, they've kind of figured out to move away from the, the true click through rates into more of just an impression based, um, area, but that is so cost and you still have to sort of produce, well, this is how many viewers, can, you know, scrolled past this. Um, billboards, still a really great example of how you might want to put your brand out there and roll your eyes and go, how Don Draper, like, let's just go out for a martini lunch right now. But it's still, a, you know, a huge value depending on what your product is. Um, the Again, again, speaking at conferences um, and um, growth opportunities for your employees. And I, I come back to it. I've mentioned it before, but your employee engagement, right? Your biggest brand advocates need to be your own employees. If they don't think you have a healthy product, uh, a healthy environment, if there's toxicity in your company, they're just as likely to be posting on things like Glassdoor about, don't work here. Don't buy this. I hate customer service. <laughs> I work in their customer service and I hate it. Um, and that's incredibly damaging, you know? Um, so you have to invest in sort of your employee base and, and your current, your current customers and make them advocates for you. And that can be expensive, but it's the right thing to do. And of course, we've had uh, plenty of episodes talking about employee engagement. How do you mm -hmm. uh, move away? You know, we had Michael Brenner talking about mean people suck. The era, <laughs> the era of the smart jerk needs to be over. Um, you know, uh, Marnie, there was actually, uh, I think the eight touches um, that I think that has shot up to like 20 plus. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think, I think so. And Certainly, I hear different numbers all the time. Sometimes it's eight, sometimes it's twenty. It's somebody else said the other day thirty. Uh, I I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I see the five dollar foot long commercial like eight times a day, and <laughs> you know, and it's at some point if I'm hungry and I drive by a subway, I will probably buy a five dollar foot long, um, just partially because I've seen that uh, commercial so many times. So, but how do you, I mean, you can relate, I'm sure maybe, maybe you've never been in this environment, but I, I would be very surprised, but, but people come to marketing and they drop off orders, right? They go, Hey, mm -hmm. I need, I need X, I need Y, or I need a brochure, or I need a, an image, or I need whatever. I need a Twitter post. Yeah. There you go. That's already a good sign. <laughs> 
And <laughs> and they don't tell you why they need it. They don't tell you yep. the goal. They just think they have the answer. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, that's still a problem that, that you've seen as well, right? People do that. Oh, I used to call it the drive through menu. <laughs> like, what do you need to order off of? We've got the dollar menu here. <laughs> but, so. you know, I mean, obviously your experience, I'm experienced, and, and, and we know how to push back. But but in years past, you know, when, when the, the big boss came by and would say to me, hey, we need whatever, I would just be like, oh, okay, I'll get on it, right? And I can see, especially um, there's some places I see out there, you know, they're hiring um you know, newer marketers, and I can just see people go, yep, okay, sounds good. You want to tweet, I'll get you a tweet. You want a Facebook post, I'll get you a Facebook post. And so if that happens, how how do you think that translates into this whole push for measuring everything? So I can just imagine if, you know, I go to a new team member and I say, we need to be able to measure it. And this is what we measure. Like, well, mm -hmm. is there a danger that, um, because people try to comply or try to please or whatever the terminology is, that they won't, that we won't be doing some of those things that actually matter, but they're not as measurable. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and actually go back to sort of uh, Ram Fishkins and he said around this serendipity or this happenstance marketing, leadership needs to sort of embrace this idea. And he recommends almost 80% of your time be more performance-based, right? He's kind of one of the key players in Moz. Of course, he's going to be very performance-driven. But the other 20% of the time needs to be kind of a playground, and it needs to be this, this sort of Venn diagram overlap area of what you're good at, what you're passionate about, and what you feel about. And, and so if you are incredibly... Um, interested in public speaking, or maybe that's something that terrifies you and you as a personal growth want to try to get more into it. Maybe you do more of those conference events. Maybe you do try to be a speaker at more of those events. And that, that kind of ends up being your serendipity, but you must have a leadership who is aligned and agreed and is willing to let you quote unquote play, let you kind of explore what that area is that um, isn't com completely performance driven. Um, it's, it, it takes kind of a strong leader and a healthy company to, to promote that sort of behavior. Um, there is some inherent, there is some risk in it, but to your point, um, we, we, I, I had an instance in a previous company where they were very performance driven. They wanted numbers. They wanted, they kind of were a sit in the corner and color mentality. And they wanted us to um, just do what they said. They would hand us sort of content. We put it out there. And I said about this particular tweet, I said, this is going to be really not good. We're going to get numbers on it. That's what she wanted. Well, it, it happened to be a very not flattering uh information about our price hike. And it is to this day, so one of the most popular, most tweeted, most shared, most sort of commented on uh, social metric out there for this, this uh, company. And it is not the kind of metric that you want, right? Like performance marketing doesn't, the, those numbers don't always align to 
if all you're doing is focusing on the numbers, you're missing the context and you're missing the strategy. And I think taking a good amount of time and building those solid multi-channel, multi-touch point marketing strategies, which includes happenstance and includes that experience, is the best way to continue to sort of keep your team in marketing aligned to here's like this this particular content is not does not align to our policies and and or our policies but our strategies are you really sure that we should be posting it because here are the things that we should be doing instead have being able to have those kinds of conversations with leaders really help yeah and of course depending on who the leader is that can be harder easier said mm-hmm. than done um, <laughs> you know, what's interesting about your comment, and, and I'm not picking on it at all, it is, it's, it's kind of eye-opening, and I'll, I'll um, segue into how we can apply it here. But you said, um, of course, Rand would say that because Moz is performance-driven. And what's interesting about that is, so what came to my mind, so Moz, of course, guys, you should, you're all aware, I'm sure, but uh, SEO platform, right? You can see how you're ranking if you're going up competitors are doing, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it reminded me of a comment Greg Gifford made. So Greg was on the show a couple times now, one the local SEO expert. And somebody was arguing that um, the uh, rankings are a key performance metric or something like that. And he says, well, not really, because businesses don't pay you to rank higher. They pay you to rank higher. So you drive results. So at the end of the day, I would argue it is a metric to see where you're ranking, right? Oh, so if you keep if you keep showing up at the top, uh, definitely interesting. But Greg says it's not, right? Or it's not as important. Or some I don't want to misquote him, but but it's my point is it's not as easy as saying the only metric is sales. The only metric is this, right? So I think there is probably a certain level of education we can offer to leaders or anybody, and say here's all the different metrics that are indicators of performance, right? And and that's far ranging. Yeah, so you actually kind of laid the groundwork for the conversation I had at my most recent position, which was people thought they needed new websites. And I kept going, that's great. Yeah, I don't disagree. You've got a site from, you know, 1800. I, I I totally am on board with this. What do you need it to do? Because a website isn't a goal. And there was right. lots of crickets, lots of crickets in the room, like lots of small violins playing. And he said, what do you, what business needs do you need this? Like, it's a tool. It is a, one of, it's a very important tool. It's a big tool. You should be building lots of your other digital touch points around this tool. But ultimately, it's not your goal. And so we need to have performance indicators. We need KPIs around this. What, what are we measuring in order to say building this new website was a value because all it's going to do is cost us. I don't know that it's going to drive the kind of revenue that, that, um, you know, makes up. We're, we're still filling the pipeline with leads. We're still converting leads. If we're going to spend money on a new tool, I need to know that it's working. And it was so very hard for many of these leaders to articulate. I need X. And I want to see a percentage of growth in order to know that this tool is helping me be, actually meet my strategic goals. It was a really interesting mindset um, because so many of them just really think it's a plug and play. 
And it, it isn't, you're not just going to upgrade your website. So you upgrade your leads or you upgrade the number of leads, uh, qualified leads. It's far more sophisticated than that. <clears throat> you know, I, I would even argue your website is an example of an immeasurable goal, right? In and of itself. To, to an extent, what's interesting too about the, the whole website thing is uh, it, it, it falls a little bit into the whole online, offline advertising debate, right? So for example, when I was with newspapers, so if I buy an ad in the newspaper or a print magazine or whatever, anything or a billboard, right? I mm-hmm. can see it. Like if I'm the president of the college or whatever, if I'm driving by the billboard, I saw the billboard, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and, and I, my perception is, oh, that's a great investment. I'm seeing it. <laughs> and and when it comes to digital advert, like for example, I'm I'm running some campaigns currently, and I don't ever see them because I'm not the target audience. Like I never see them ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, never yeah. ever. Like nope. so, I can't say, oh, it looks great. So, mm-hmm. um, but isn't that isn't that interesting that in some cases, leaders are on board with the unmeasurable. Think print ads. Think billboards. Think. Um, whatever, like crappy websites that have a slider <laughs> with 18 <laughs> slides. Um, and sliders, let's be honest, sliders only <laughs> exist because people were arguing over what should go there. And, um, you know, so so why do we have that disconnect? Why is there a disconnect? It's okay to have unmeasurable things here, but it's not okay to have it um, when all of us marketers have to implement it. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I do know we know the same leaders. That I'm sure of. <laughs> no comment. All of my stories are not real people. <laughs> no. no, I mean, but you're right. Um, you know, there is this perception, and I think some of it is traditional, right? Now we get into kind of this human psychology of change and, and the known versus the unknown. And um, I know billboards, right? It doesn't doesn't really matter what my acumen is in digital. I, I know that that's familiar. It's been around. It's kind of time tested uh, versus some of these other touch points that aren't um, you know, as, as tangible or as traditional. Um, but it's definitely a head scratcher for sure. <laughs> yeah, And you know, and the other thing too, is I just thought about this uh, billboards right this second are, I don't know if they're the most efficient, effective anyways, because like I haven't left the house in like, I don't know how many days, um, you know, so. Yeah, it's, so it's really interesting. We, um, at my last company, we ran a really um, interesting digital campaign, which falls into this area of, yes, it has down the line impact around growth or around kind of having a full um, pipe of of leads, but it didn't have immediate, you know, ROI. And it was a really a perception around rankings. So, right, in the, the world, you know, having a third party kind of put their stamp of approval and say, you're a top 100 here. Not only are you talking about kind of that third party thumbs up, but you're also talking about the num- the reach of that specific audience and the money you aren't having to spend to reach that audience. So there's some very specific um, budget efficiencies, so to speak, 
And our goal really going out was to not let this audience know, not let the voters know that we were really, we had enrolled them in this campaign, but instead make use of social psychology with this idea of the halo effect, uh, which is oftentimes seen in professional sports, right? Um, The Rockies win. We won last night. The Rockies lost last night. They lost. (laughs) I distanced myself. I kind of include myself depending on how um, how wonderful that 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 event was and how I want to be associated with it. In this particular case, we went out and we were trying to align our work and our research and and the the, the individuals um, in our company with other institutions of higher education and their researchers, their faculty members, and create this warm and fuzzy feeling about our brand so that they would feel more benevolent or we would be top of mind or they would in fact realize the close partnership that we had with the uh, with their faculty and so I pick on top tier uh, public university who says I had no idea this you know this business in the Rocky Mountain region was doing this or was doing this as a partner with us when it comes to kind of ranking our um, our company, maybe they give us a higher ranking than they had as part of their peer assessment. Again, there's a huge budget involved in advertising like that, right? That kind of geo-targeting, that retargeting, all of the LinkedIn, social, organic, all of the time and the, the um, staff members' attention to building this for, what is not going to be measurable. <laughs> but if we don't do it, we would certainly feel it if we, you know, drop out of the top 100 or if we stop getting grant money or partnerships between, you know, these esteemed um, companies fall apart. So that's another example of kind of that, not, it's clearly not a, a serendipitous, but more of that experience, right? That feeling that, I like this company for no other reason than they've connected themselves to something I already feel good about. Um, so that's a that's kind of a, an interesting example in the non-measurable marketing arena. Yeah, it's definitely. I don't think unmeasurable goals are going away anytime soon. It's. I think it's just something <laughs> we have to figure out how to maneuver around. Uh, Marnie Glore, of course, people can connect with you on LinkedIn, right? I assume. Yes, absolutely. So, awesome, and um, I'll put a link in in the show notes here. But it's uh, M A R N I E G L O O R, and so her Marnie's um, LinkedIn um, profile header image looks. I was going to say, why do you have a picture of um, the Chicago L line? <laughs> there but that's not what it is but that's what it looks like when you look at so tell so it's like basically you know marketing management it's uh, tell us about that diagram what what is it oh that's the the user experience uh it's the digital roadmap so um really just as i mentioned very passionate about that experience and that engagement and i threw that up there in my background probably four years ago, but it, it looks at all of the different digital applications, your marketing automation, your social, your CRM, and kind of the touch points 
on that digital experience where they should overlap or they need to connect, integrate in order to create sort of that seamless engagement and experience for your, your end user. <laughs> and it's a good reminder really how, um, how um, complicated things are today, right? Yeah. Back in the day, here is, you got your website or whatever. And uh, I mean, uh, you know, that was it. And today you have user experience. You, I mean, it's, uh, everybody is competing for everybody's attention. Uh, I know people don't like me to say it, um, but I'll, I'm talking about podcasts even, you know, I got marketing podcasts coming through in the morning. I got uh, NFL podcasts coming through. I got Iowa football podcast coming through. And I know the marketing and the business podcast podcasters don't want to hear it, but they're all competing against the NFL. They're competing against the, the college football. So uh, certainly it has never been harder. Marnie, uh, I know we shared the LinkedIn. Any, any other place or any other way people can get in touch with you if they want to? I think LinkedIn is sort of the best way right now. <laughs> so. Got it. Yep, that sounds good. Thanks for joining us today and thanks for sharing your insights. Really appreciate yeah. it. It has been a true pleasure and honor. Thank you so much for inviting me and everybody who is still listening. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks again. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time. Do you need help with digital marketing for your small to medium-sized business? Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com. Thank you.